Dear God, as we open up uh, your word a little bit, and then as we talk through just some practical things, I do pray what I've asked you already this week multiple times, uh, that you would use these things we talk about to strengthen and grow your people, uh, that all weekend long the things we hear, that they would move us towards godliness, but no amount of habits or principles can do that without your Holy Spirit. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to move in our lives as we hear these things and seek to put them into practice. Uh, I am asking you that in the name of Jesus. Help me to uh, communicate clearly tonight. Amen. All right. Um, I want to tell you guys tonight about my very first school fight. All right. Also happened to be my last school fight. Also, wasn't much of a fight. It was mostly me just getting worked over, okay? But my very first school fight, we'll put that in air quotes, okay? School fight didn't actually take place in elementary school or in junior high or in high school. It happened actually in college. My junior year of college, I'm hanging out uh, right before one of my classes. It was, it was actually Revelation class. I went to, a, went to a ministry school. So right there in, at the beginning or the front of the classroom, me and my buddy Michael are hanging out and just kind of goofing off. The professor hasn't showed up yet, so we're kind of waiting for him to come and make his way in there. And while we are, we're just playing around. And I say to Michael while we're hanging out, uh, hey, put me in a headlock. And Michael says to me, what? And I said, put me in a headlock. Uh, so I had just, just a little pause, just a couple days ago, I had met this teacher, this dude who taught Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and so I was hanging out with him, I was like, man, I need you to teach me like one cool move that I can use on my friends when we start wrestling around. So he taught me this really sweet move for when you get put in a headlock, how to like flip somebody backwards, and I was really excited to use it. So here I am in the classroom, I'm like, Michael, put me in a headlock, and finally he's like, okay, whatever, and so he sticks me in a headlock. And I do this thing where I reach around, I'm, I'm bent down like this, I reach around, grab his waist, and then I drop down, and as I do, I sweep my legs out underneath his legs and flip him back, and he rolls, he does like a complete back somersault in the room. It was seriously probably the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life, <laughs> all right? I felt so awesome in that moment that I actually, I felt like a ninja, I, felt, I had pulled this thing off, and we're both actually just laying on the ground, just kind of laughing, it's hilarious, ha ha ha, this is so fun, and we kind of get up and we dust ourselves off, and, and this is a great little thing here, just kind of did this thing on Michael, got to do what I wanted to do, try this cool trick, uh, but what I had not thought about in that moment was Sergeant Reynolds. Sergeant Reynolds was this other student who was, who was uh, attending classes at Ozark, but he wasn't like our age. He was, he was older than all of us. He was probably late 20s, early 30s. And Sergeant Reynolds was in the military, and he was actually at Ozark because he was kind of preparing and wanting to be a chaplain in the military. And so he was taking classes there, and I would have him in a few different classes. But uh, Sergeant Reynolds was also the scariest human being on the face of the planet <laughs> to me at that time, okay? Because Sergeant Reynolds, it wasn't like he was mean or anything. He was just super, super intense, Okay, um, You know, there are people who are in the military who like being in the military, right? And there are people who are in the military who like being in the military, right? Who like, it's like life and they love it. And, and <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I get choked up when I talk about the military. <laughs> hmm. Thanks for your service, guys. Um, <coughs> um, uh, I, uh, so I, <laughs> saluting me back there. Um, so anyway, where was I? Sergeant Reynolds, all right. 
So Sergeant Reynolds, he was always like silent and, and like quiet and really serious and really intense. And he just had this feeling of like he was always, it looked like he was always on the verge of snapping, right? Like you never knew what he might do. Like at any moment, he might just kind of flip out and, and kill us all or something, you know? And it wasn't just me who thought this, right? There were other people who were really nervous about Sergeant Reynolds. One of those people was actually Jim Johnson, okay? Uh, <laughs> Jim, who is lead minister at Sunnybrook now, was actually a professor at Ozark at that time, and he had Sergeant Reynolds in a few different classes. Uh, one of the classes he had Sergeant Reynolds in was preaching class. Homiletics is what it was called, but it was preaching class, where you're learning to prepare and give sermons. And, and just like in a speech class, towards the end of the semester, everybody takes turns coming up and preaching and kind of giving their sermon, and then they're evaluated. Well, Sergeant Reynolds was in this class with Jim. Jim tells the story that Sergeant Reynolds goes up, he stands up from his seat and starts walking up to the the little pulpit there to preach, but he brings with him a cinder block, a towel, and a meat cleaver, okay? Like a butcher knife, right? And he goes and he sets the cinder block there, and he sets the towel there, and he sets the meat cleaver on top of the towel, and then he starts preaching. And Jim, the way he tells us, says, like, he, you know, he's supposed to be listening and evaluating the sermon, right, because he's the teacher there, but he, he doesn't hear hardly a thing that Sergeant Reynolds says, because the whole time he's thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what is he going to do with that meat cleaver? You know, and he's going through all his minds, oh, he's going to cut his own hand off. That's what he's going to do. This is going to be some crazy illustration. And he's like, no, no, mate, he's going to come cut my hand off. He's going to attack me. And he spends the whole time nervous back there, and, and that's not actually what happens. Actually, Sergeant Reynolds spends the entire sermon up there preaching, never once picks up the meat cleaver, never once uh, points to it, never even mentions it, right? (laughs) Finishes the sermon, picks up the meat cleaver and the cinder block and goes and sits down, okay? And and after some, Jim is like talking to him, he's like, okay, hey, good sermon and, you know, good introduction. One question, uh, what was with the meat cleaver up there? Was that like supposed to be a, a... like an object lesson or an illustration or whatever. And Sergeant Reynolds says to him, uh, like, dead faith, no smile, complete seriousness, uh, and I quote, oh, no, 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 I just like to keep that up there. It makes me feel a little more comfortable while I'm preaching. <laughs> Literally, that's like it. That's all. That's just, which is um, worse than cutting your hand off with it, right? That's like really creepy. And so Jim was always terrified of him. I was too, okay? Um, now, Back to, the, back to the headlock moment, right? I flip Michael over. We're laughing. Ha, ha, ha. We get up. End of, you know, end of joke. End of little restaurant time. No, no. It is not the end. Because all of a sudden, Sergeant Reynolds just, he's in the classroom, by the way, unexpectedly just pops up out of his chair and starts coming towards me. And then he just says, uh, that's why you do headlocks like this. And, <laughs> and just grabs me and puts me in this like freaky reverse headlock, right? Now listen, Sergeant Reynolds and I, we don't know each other, okay? (laughs) We're not friends. We don't talk, right? And now he's got me in like a combat death lock up in in front of the the class that I'm down over here and I'm flailing a little bit trying to get loose. And I'm like, this is, I have no idea where this is going, right? I don't know if he's got a meat cleaver in his pocket. I don't know where this is going. And then all of a sudden, he takes me, and he lets go, and I'm like, oh, gosh, thank you. But he's not done. He flips me up, and then flips me around and puts me in, like, a sleeper hold, okay? And so now I'm facing the class. You know, not everybody's in there, and my eyes are big, and I'm just like, I'm, these are the last people I'm ever going to see right now. I'm going to, they're going to watch me die in the middle of this. 
And I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, it's so ironic in Revelation class. And here we are talking about the day we're going to meet Jesus. And that day is now for me. I am going to meet him. Right? And, and it's like this crazy moment. You know, it's starting to go black on the edges of my eyesight. And I'm panicking and I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden, thankfully, mercifully, Sergeant Reynolds just lets me go. And doesn't say anything else. Just walks right back to the seat and sits down. <laughs> and it was over as quick as it started. Right? So... That was my first and last school fight that I was ever a part of. Um, it, was, it was a miserable encounter, um, but I will say this, even though it was my last school fight, it was not actually the last time or the first time I ever felt sort of like I did in that moment. There are actually a number of times in college when I felt a lot like I did up in the front of that classroom, not because some crazy person had me in like a crazy headlock, right? Um, but I had all kinds of points in my college time where I felt like I was gasping for air, so to speak. Uh, times in, in, in my college career where it felt like I was just outmatched, like, like college itself had me in a sleeper hold, you know what I mean? Uh, or like life had me in this like death headlock there. Up, and, and I'm just trying my best to, to keep my head above water. You know those, those moments or those days where like maybe it feels like all of your professors like had some secret meeting and decided to, to just put all of your assignments due on the same random week. And it's like, I know you guys, you guys don't even know each other. How did you plan this, right? And, and all of your stuff is coming in on that same week, and you just feel like you're looking out at your week in front of you going, I have no idea how I'm going to get this done. Or maybe there are times in college where actually it goes a little deeper than that. Maybe, um, maybe like you're in a space mentally or emotionally where, where school is a part of it, yeah, but there's actually a whole lot of other factors where it's truthfully just hard for you sometimes to even get out of bed and go and face the day. Uh, maybe, maybe there's things that go on at home, and, and even though you're not home and it's kind of a relief to be at home, you cannot help with the things that are going on in your family but have that in the back of your mind at all time, and it wears on you. Or you're just going, going, going from school to work to the table to some volunteering thing over and over again, and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you are struggling to, to keep your head above water. You feel exhausted and burnt out and wondering what to do. Uh, if, you're, if you're like, you know, every other college student, you've experienced that. And the truth is, you're going to experience those moments later. I have experienced a number of those moments as an adult. But there does seem to be something almost specific about college and, and that time that really seems to be um, I don't know, almost made for nervous breakdowns sometimes. Almost made to feel just overwhelmed at times. What we want to do is talk with you over these next 24 hours about what it looks like to not just survive college, um, not just kind of make it through, but actually to thrive. And, and I, I'm not just talking about like making good grades, that's good and all, but I mean like actually like living a life that is healthy and growing and mature, living the kind of life that God has called us to. Uh, the Bible tells us this, that God created us for his purposes and glory. Every human being he created for his purposes and for his glory, that we would know him, that we would love him, that we would obey him, that we would serve him. And then he actually did something really cool for those of us who are in Christ, is that he did not just make you, but then through Jesus, when you placed your faith in him, he recreated you. 
He made you new once again. This is what Ephesians 2.10 says. I'd tell you to turn there, but you know, all your Bibles are in the vans over there. Thanks, Scott. Um, And so Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared ahead of time. He he determined ahead of time that he was going to, that he had a church that he wanted to do these big and new things. We were created for that purpose and recreated. And this is our goal for you at the table. We want you to be the kinds of people who live out that life. Who, who live out God's mission, who do good works, who serve, who, who make disciples of other people, who do kingdom work. And so this is what we're going to be talking about. Well, actually, we're going to be talking about a few things, but let me just start with this. You have this little triangle up here. What we want is for you to live a missional life. And so we're going to talk this week a little bit about missional formation. Alec is going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow, this idea of living, uh, aligning ourselves with God's mission and his purposes, being the kinds of people who love our neighbors, being the kinds of people who share the gospel with those around us, being the kinds of people who serve his church. So missional patterns and habits that help us to align ourselves with God's mission and purpose in this world. But I think for a lot of people, when we start talking about, hey, you need to go and you need to be sharing the gospel with your friends. Hey, you need to make sure you're finding time to serve the church. Hey, hey, we got this thing called our, our daily bread, and we would love for you to take some time uh, during your week to go and volunteer over there. There are some people, and I think a lot of people, who hear us say those kinds of things, and that just feels like an ideal that is almost out of reach. Like, Drew, I'm, I'm exhausted over here. I am crazy busy. It feels like every hour, every minute of my week is packed full of things. Or maybe you're thinking, I am crippled by anxiety. And the idea of going and meeting people is a hard thing for me. Or, or the idea of just making it through. I'm, I'm struggling right now with mental illness. Or I am defeated by habitual sin or addiction of some kind. And you want me to find time in the middle of this mess to get my head above water just long enough to then also go out and start being on mission and serving. It feels almost, for some people, I think, like Sergeant Reynolds has you in a sleeper hold, and then somebody comes up and says, hey, could you hold this for me while he's doing that? Right? And you're like, I, I, don't, I can't do that right now. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to live that kind of life in the shape I am right now. And so the question, is this really what you want? Like in the middle of the craziness of my life, you want us to go out and do these kinds of things? And the answer to that question is Yes. It is what we want because it's what God wants. It's what God wants for you, and, and, and so that's what we want for you. But in order to be able to do this, this requires a certain level of wholeness. This requires a certain level of like stability and maturity in us that enables us to continue living this life. Um, and so that's where we, we also want to kind of help you not just go out and serve, but we want to help you kind of grow up. And so we're going to talk to you a little bit about, Scott is going to talk to you about spiritual formation, spiritual rhythms or patterns that you can engage in that will help you grow. Um, And and these things are are practices that align us. If the first one aligns us with God's mission, these things align us with God's heart and his kingdom. 
spiritual practices aligned with God's heart and his kingdom. Uh, things like prayer, things like reading the scriptures and solitude and fasting and fellowship. All of these things are valuable lifelines in our relationship with Jesus. Things that help us to know him and connect him, with him and be built up in him. But can we be honest for just a second? They don't always feel that way, do they? Sometimes actually those things like reading your Bible, like finding, carving time out for prayer, those things feel just like one more task in an already hectic schedule. And when we talk about the importance of spending time in prayer or maybe uh, solitude or those kinds of things, it just becomes this thing where I just start to feel guilty. It's just one more reminder of how I'm not being the kind of person I should be. And it, it just feels like this other task when it wasn't meant to be that. It's meant to be a gift to us. It's meant to be a lifeline. And, and, and the reason why I think that is a lot of times for us is because there's actually this other layer that often goes ignored in our lives. And that is this realm of personal formation. Personal formation. And so we want to talk to you about these kind of three levels a little bit. And we stole this actually from a, a guy named Tim Castile who does campus ministry in Arkansas. He stole it from a guy named Mark Sayers, um, an Australian pastor. And so, uh, but anyway, but this is something that is really, as we've been studying this and looking at this, we think is really important and valuable to be thinking through some of these things for you. And so we want to talk to you. And like I said, tonight, I want to talk about personal formation. And this is if missional is the practice of aligning ourselves with God's kingdom, or with God's mission, this is aligning ourselves with God's heart and kingdom. Personal practices are a matter of aligning ourselves with God's design, with the reality of how God made us and how God made the world. In order to be able to get this, we need to recognize two things. Here they are. The first is that as human beings, we have some basic needs that are part of what it is to be human. We have needs like rest and uh, community or relationship, you could put there. We have needs like uh, the ability or the time for reflection, to sit and think about things that matter, things that are important. Um, even, I'll just put on this, this is kind of an interesting one, I think we have a need sometimes to wait, to be the kind of people who wait for things. Uh, so that's the first thing is recognizing that we have needs. The second thing you need to recognize is this, that we live in a culture that consistently undermines our ability to meet those needs. That consistently undermines our ability to live the kind of life that God uh, made us for, that, the, the kind of way that he designed us as human beings. Um, we live in a world that keeps us busy constantly. We live in a world where technology has promised to make your life simpler and to make it easier and to give you less work when, when it's betrayed all of its promises to you. And actually, it's made your life more complicated and it's made you busier and it's made you moving faster and faster on the treadmill. We live in a world where we have easy access to anything we want, which means it is easy to get addicted to anything we want. We live in a world that has us constantly connected, but rarely connecting to anyone. We have a thousand different friends 
online and very few real actual friendships and relationships. We live in a world that keeps us constantly isolated from others, constantly anxious. For example, a few years ago, uh, the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, was describing the phenomenon of binge watching that Netflix had helped to, to create, this idea of watching shows just one episode right after another and after another. And he was talking about how it had really helped Netflix to grow and kind of begin to take over the world. In this interview, he says, actually, that Netflix's biggest competitors are not just HBO and uh, video games or PlayStation. In other words, he's hoping at night that the, the main thing he's worried about is not that you're going to choose HBO, instead you'll choose Netflix, or not that you're going to choose PlayStation, instead you'll choose Netflix. He actually says in this interview, their biggest competitor is sleep. That he hopes, he says that we have these, we try to create these movies and shows that you want to see and you want to watch and then you'll stay up and watch those things. So we're competing, he says, this is his words, we are competing with sleep. And then he says, and we're winning. Rest, sleep is one of the most vital things for your spiritual, physical, mental, emotional health. One of those, I mean, study after study after study shows this, but Netflix and so many others know that a valuable resource and a way that they can make, make more and more money is to rob you of that, is to try to get you to choose against it. There's a reason TikTok has an algorithm that keeps playing videos one right after another that you like and that you want to see um, because they, they want to keep you distracted. They do better if you don't pause and think. They do better if you stay distracted and continue to move on and on with those things. So what I want to do is actually talk about, and like I said, it's, it's not just them. There's all kinds of things in this world that are consistently trying to undermine this kind of life that helps us to grow up in Jesus, helps us to live healthy so that we can live healthy here and healthy here. And I want to talk just about a few of those things with you uh, for, for a, a little bit tonight. Uh, the first, let me talk about rest for just a second. God designed us to be like him, but not to be him. The Bible will talk about this like in Isaiah 40, that God does not grow weary, that he does not need to rest, that he does not ever sleep. But that's a characteristic that is only true of God. And that is not true of us. He designed us to be like him, but we are also designed to need rest. We cannot go on forever and ever into eternity. And, and that means a couple things. That means sleep, for one. Uh, like I said, study after study shows that we need sleep. They say that like the average adult should be getting at least seven hours of sleep a night. Uh, seven to nine hours of sleep a night. They also say, and you don't need any studies to prove this, college students aren't really doing that, right? Like, that's not like the, uh, college is not like people don't go, college, the time you sleep, right? That's not like, that's not what college is known for. Oh, I remember my days in college when I just rested all day, right? Got a good night's sleep. That's not the way people talk about college. That's just kind of known. Um, and, and, and there is no way around the fact that that is just going to set us up to live unhealthy kind of lives. Uh, end of 2018 into the beginning of 2019, I hit something that, I mean, I, I think the way to describe it was like a, a depression, uh, some sort of funk thing. I just kept calling it this funk that I was in, where I really, really struggled to, 
to do much. You know, I, I should say, I was able to go about my day, but I did not want to do hardly anything. And I was struggling to be at home around my family, and I was struggling to be at work and do the things that I was supposed to do. And I remember going in and talking to Sharon Doherty, who's one of the counselors on staff at Sunnybrook, and just talking to her about this. And, and she told me after listening for a little while, she said, I think you have burnout. I think you're experiencing a period of burnout, which didn't make sense to me because I, I didn't feel like I was just going, like, going nonstop. I didn't feel like I was going that hard, but, but she just said, There's, like, we, we as human beings, we need rest. We need to be able to rest. And so I, I, I started trying to implement that into my life a little bit. And, and at, beginning like January, February 2019 began to come out of this. But I, I'll experience these things every now and then. I was talking to Alec about this a, a couple weeks ago where I will start to feel myself in the middle of the day. I'll start to feel myself, the word I use is like spiraling, where life feels a little out of control to me and I'm starting to feel uh, really irritable with people around me and I'm starting to feel kind of like things are closing in and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And like nine times out of ten when that happens, if I'll pause for just a second and just ask this question, how much sleep have I been getting? Almost always I find out that I, I look back and I go, oh, that's what it is. I just haven't gotten any rest recently. And even actually just that recognition alone, even before I go get a nap, just that recognition alone actually brings peace to my soul a lot of times to remember I thought everything was spiraling out of control, but the reality was I'm just tired. I just need a nap. And, and that alone sometimes is really, really vital for us to be able to have proper perspective in things. Um, rest doesn't just mean sleep, though, but it also means meaningful time that is not spent working. Uh, there's a reason that God, when he created the, the creation story, involves six days of work and on a seventh day of rest, and then he implemented that idea for his people. And Jesus goes on later to say when people tried to make too big a deal out of, out of the Sabbath and make it like the end of all be all, Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. That is, God gave Sabbath to us as a gift. That was something he created for us to be able to, we, we should work hard, and we should work for most of the time. Six out of seven days we're working is what the kind of plan is there. But, like, we also need that period of rest. Uh, let me talk about community for just a little bit with you, relationships. Genesis 2.18, when God creates Adam, over and over and over again in the creation story, God says it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then the first time that God actually gets to a point where he says it's not good is in Genesis 2.18. And the word, the phrase is this, it is not good for man to be alone. And usually when we talk about this, this is quoted in the context of like marriage because God then creates Eve and someone to be a suitable helper, a companion to him. And that's true. It it's definitely has implications for marriage. But this is, I think, even bigger. There's a bigger principle that it is that human beings were made for community and made for relationship. Uh, God is a relational God, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, dwelling together in perfect relationship. And because we were made in his image, we were made to do the same. Uh, we were designed for that. And uh, we live, as I said, in a hyper-connected world where you have the possibility of being kind of connected to thousands of people without really being connected to anyone. And to be very, very isolated with people who don't really know you. And, and so we need genuine community with people that we know and people that know us. 
that know our hurts and that know our fears and that know our joys and our loves. We need those things. That's part of what it is to be human. And as Christians, that's vitally important that we have people to walk alongside us as we follow Jesus. Let me give you another one, reflection. We were not made to just be consuming creatures that just take things in all the time. We were made to be thinking creatures. We were made to process. We were made to reflect And that means this crazy statement that sometimes it is good to be bored. But we live in a world where you never have to be that. You never have to feel bored because at any moment, if you ever start to feel that kind of creep up in you, that's okay. You've got your lifeline right here, and you can just kind of scroll here and and kind of relieve yourself of that feeling of boredom. We live in a time when you never have to experience that which means we live in a time when we never actually spend much time reflecting or thinking, just often consuming. You know, the, the kind of big stereotypical idea of shower thoughts, right? Those random thoughts in the shower when you think some of the weirdest, most random things and sometimes some of the most deep, profound things. You know what they used to call that? Thoughts. <laughs> right? Now they call it shower thoughts because shower is like the one place where you can't just sit there and scroll through. And so what do you do? You think. And that's actually like a good thing for you to think. But these things keep us from doing that oftentimes. There's this psychologist by the name of Jonathan Smallwood who's done a lot of research on this. And he says, uh, a lot of his research shows this, that a wandering mind and boredom are important for what he calls autobiographical planning. You don't have to write that down. Here's what that means. A wandering mind and boredom are important for us to be able to see how we're doing and where we're going. Like that, that, that's really vital, actually, those periods where we can see how we're doing and where we're going. And we need that, but we have been programmed to fear it. We've been programmed to be afraid of those things. And if you don't believe me, think about the last time you left home and you reached down in your pocket and you realized you did not have your phone. And that little like thing that happens in your heart, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. And some of you are going, nope, never happened. I never forget my phone. Okay. <laughs> Think about that moment when you leave and you look down and you realize your battery is at 6%. Right? And there's this moment in you that's like, oh my gosh. And you start to, you know, your heart starts beating a little faster. You start sweating a little bit. Like, what's gonna, what in the world am I going to do when I stand in line at Walmart if my phone is dead, Right? And, and what if something's happening and I don't know about it? And what if, what if someone wants to get a hold of me and, I, and they can't get a hold of me and I can't find out what's happening and, and I've got FOMO and I won't even know what I have FOMO about. I don't even know what I'm missing out on. And, and all of those things kind of creep up in us. That's because we are so used to be able to scroll through these things. Now listen, if I need a wandering mind and boredom, if I need to be able to just sit to know how I'm doing and where I'm going, think about the spiritual implications for that. I need that kind of mind to be able to know my spiritual condition and to hear from God. I need that kind of mind actually to be able to trust Him and His Lordship. In his book, Possibility of Prayer, John Stark says that it is impossible to trust God and His Lordship in a state of hurry. Because in a state of hurry, we always revert back to our own kind of habits without actually thinking. We just go from thing to thing, and i got to take care of this, and i got to take care of this, and i got to take care of this. But if I can stop and reflect, and it gives me time in the middle of a stress-filled moment to go, he's in control. 
He's Lord. He can take care of these things. He can take care of me. But when I'm in a state of hurry, I don't get to do that. Uh, Other things that are really important for us, and we won't spend much time on them, delayed gratification, Uh, waiting for something that you want. I hate Fortnite. You know why I hate Fortnite? I hate Fortnite because back in the day, if you wanted a video game, you had to go to the store to get something, right? Uh, But my son can, playing Fortnite, Fortnite, you know, those of you who don't know, it's this video game that's free that actually costs you a million (laughs) dollars, right? Because you can always buy the new battle pack or you can always buy new skins or whatever, and he's always wanted to come buy things. And and my my son doesn't have to wait very often. I'm trying to work on that with him to like go, okay, we're going to wait a week before you spend your money on something. Um, because often in a week he doesn't even want that thing anymore. Uh, but, but we live in a day, I'm, and listen, I'm grateful for some of this. I'm grateful for like two-day shipping on Prime, right? I'm grateful for streaming movies that I don't have to go to Blockbuster now if I want to watch a movie. I'm grateful for those. Those aren't bad things, but there is something where I never learn that I have to say no, where I can have whatever I want whenever I want it. That is not good for me. Um, time management the ability to be able to piece together my, my day in front of me and my week and be able to manage things well is important and often missing. Physical activity, getting out and doing things. I read something the other day that just said, just like a walk for three minutes actually improves things like emotional health and those kinds of things. That's really big and really important. Okay, let me tell you real quick. Um, I want to make sure I'm not going. Okay, we're good. Uh, let me tell you real quick. Two ways to get this wrong. Two ways to really have a wrong view of this idea of personal formation. The first is this, to treat it as an end rather than a means. Actually, the things that I've told you are are really pretty popular right now. A lot of the stuff that I've told you, other than like the Ephesians 2 and all that stuff, um, is stuff that you don't even have to be at like a Christian event to hear. Um, this, there's this really popular idea called self-care right now. I'm sure you've heard it. If you've walked around campus or if you've looked at A-frames or if you've anything like that, the idea of self-care and the importance of taking care of ourselves and, and watching over ourselves and treating ourselves to things that are good and not letting ourselves get too worn down. Um, but this is different from self-care, and I want to explain. The problem with self-care is that it is all about the self, And what self-care does, even though there's some really good principles to it, but it turns me inward to face myself and always asking, how am I doing? And am I making sure I'm taking care of myself? And am I getting enough rest? Am I getting all these things? And it turns it in on me, which again is actually going against the design that God has made for us. We talk about this a lot, that God did not design me to turn inward on myself. He designed me to look outwards and move towards other people in love. And so when I turn inward, it gets to be a problem. Um, I have time for this. Uh, there's, uh, Julie Davis used to be on staff. She was our children's minister at Sunnybrook. And about eight or nine years ago, her mom passed away early in her life. And so it was a very hard time for Julie and something where she had done a lot of work to try and get the funeral together. Her, her siblings weren't really being much help, and she did a lot of stuff to get everything ready and to do arrangements and, and figuring out all this stuff. She was mourning and having a difficult time. And this lady came by Julie after the funeral and, uh, and kind of put her arm around her and said, Julie, you've gone through some really hard stuff, and so what you need to do right now is you need to take a little bit of time to focus on you. You need to take a little bit of time just to kind of disconnect, go back, and focus on you so you can kind of build yourself up. 
And Jim, Jim Johnson was listening to this, overheard and came over to Julie just a, a minute and two later and said, hey, Julie, I want you to know, um, I know that this person met well. I know that they really care about you. But what she just told you is poison. Uh, that, if you, uh, that if you decide that you're going to spend all your time looking in on you and making things about you, that that's actually not going to help you move forward. That's not the way you were made to go. You need to be able to, um, yes, rest. You need to do all these things. You need to take some time, all that stuff. But, but focusing on you is not the way you were designed to be. Uh, Tara Isabella Burton says this, because the work of self-care is never really complete, care for the other is never quite justified. Because there's always work to do. Here's the thing. You will never be fully rested. You will never be um, zero stress whatsoever. You will never like, be perfectly in a place of reflection. There's always work to do. And if the whole point is just to make sure that I am well taken care of, I'll never actually get to the point where I move on to take care of others. And this is actually the difference for us. What we're not talking about, or we're not talking about self-care, we're actually talking about self-discipline for the sake of God and for the sake of others. I want to do these things. I want to make sure that I'm resting. I want to make sure that I'm spending time in reflection and engaging in healthy relationships and delayed gratification. I want to do those things, but not just for me. I want to do those things because when I live that way, it enables me to be healthy so that I can serve God and serve other people so that I can love God and love other people, so I can live out uh, the good works that God created me to do. Here's the second way to get this wrong, is to treat it as a checklist that must be mastered. Your, your card there says, I think it says three levels of spiritual, or three levels of formation, right? Okay. Uh, I, in some ways, I wish I would have reworded that a little bit, Here's what I want you to know. Don't think when you see, hear the word levels, don't think like levels of a video game where you have to finish and master one before you can move on to the next. That's not how this works. It's like levels of a house. And all the levels of the house can exist there at the same time. It's just that if the bottom one's not firm and stable, then the other ones are going to be shaky. And so you can begin to engage in this before you have this figured out. You can begin to engage in this before you have this figured out, and we're going to encourage you to do those things. What we're saying is that this is important here and able to, to be able to hold these things up well. But you can jump in where you're at, and if you're not careful, then you can create a bit of a checklist that often you use to kind of beat yourself up with. Because I'm not, you know, I'm, not, I'm supposed to be getting more sleep, but I, I'm not doing that. I'm staying up, and I pulled another all-nighter. And, and I, I'm supposed to be hanging out more with people, or I'm supposed to be spending more time reflection. I spent way too much time on my phone today. And you just beat yourself up, and you feel bad about those things. But that's not what this is supposed to be, is one more checklist of things to do for you. Um, and that leads me to actually this last thing I want to draw on here before I give you some suggestions. And that is actually, if you have your pen, I want you to add one more level to that triangle. Oops. And that is the gospel. Now, we may sound like broken records talking about the gospel all the time and the gospel is the answer, but if so, the reason is because the New Testament sometimes sounds like a broken record. 
um, when it talks about this. I'll read this to you in a second. I see people trying to see it. Um, the, the New Testament comes back to the gospel a lot. And here's a foundational truth from the gospel that helps us live this kind of life out. And that is that my identity is given to me. It's not earned. One of the things that keeps people from doing well here and resting is the fact that we live in an achievement and an achievement-based society where my identity is tied to what I accomplish and what I do. And I don't have time to rest because I gotta stay on it and I gotta get stuff done and I gotta stay ahead and I gotta get the best grades and I gotta get the good jobs and I gotta do all those things. And, and the reason why that is so important is because that is who I am. That is my identity. But that's not true for those of us who are in Christ. Our identity is given to us. It is not earned by Jesus. And so this is really important for us to be able to, to grasp that idea. I, I read to you Ephesians 2.10 at the beginning. I want to actually march you back two verses and read to you verses 8 and 9, which come right before that. So Ephesians 2.10 is that we were created in Christ to do good works. Here's what verse 8 says. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. It's not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And that is that my works, the things that I do for God, flow from what God has already done for me. And I remember these things. And so I am able to rest because God has already done the work for me. And I am able to disconnect from the phone because I don't need the identity that's given to me from always being in the know of what's going on. Or the identity that's given to me from getting likes on my Instagram posts. Or the identity that I get from always kind of being connected and relevant and those kinds of things. No, 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 no. That's not where my identity comes from. My identity has been given to me in Christ if I am a Christian. And so I'm able to do those things. And when I fail at doing these things that help me, when I'm not getting the rest I should, when I spent way too much time on my phone, or when I binge watched Netflix for way too long, or when I stayed up really late at a retreat because my college ministers wanted me to, right after they told me I was supposed to sleep, <laughs> there's grace. And I don't have to feel like, how could I ever be the kind of person who could serve God if I can't even get this right? No, 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 no. The gospel says that there's grace for you. And so you can move to these other areas without having to wait until you have this stuff mastered. Those are important things for us to know. This allows us to use this as a tool to help me grow and not something that I measure myself worth by. Okay? That's important for me to be able to see those things. Now, let me finish, and I just want to give you uh, what we're going to give you at the end of each of these things is we're going to give you six to eight uh, ideas for habits or patterns that you could try. And what we want you to do when you come away after this retreat is we want you to at least pick one thing from each of these categories that you're going to try to practice in your life as you leave this place. So I'm going to list, uh, I'm going to list a handful for you. You can, you can write them down or maybe we'll write, I don't know, I don't know, maybe we'll write them down over here or something like this, but... Uh, the first is this. Uh, one great practice is to make it your goal that you will get seven plus hours of sleep a night. That you will aim for that. Here's what this means. You may go, I don't have time for this, okay? Um, what this is going, well, I'll, I'll get to it here in a second. Here's another one. Turn your phone off for an hour each day. 
This, is, this is comes from, several of these come from a guy named Justin Early in his book, The Common Rule, which talks a lot about some of these things. Um, here's another one. Curate media to four to six hours a week. And I'm only going to watch media. I'm only going to watch things for four to six hours each week. Now, here's, here's where we get to the sleep thing. Some people go, I don't know how I would ever have time to get seven hours of sleep in. What it's actually going to mean is saying no to some things in order to say yes to some other things. So you might, you might actually have the time if you're not on Instagram for an hour before you go to bed at night. If you're not, if you're not watching Netflix for forever. And again, I'm not, don't hear me trying to make you, like I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for these things. I'm trying to show you actually where there's hope for you to be able to, to, to practice some of these things. Um, here's another one in that realm of community. To, take, to find one hour every week for real genuine conversation, like face-to-face with a friend about things that are going on in your life. At least one hour to do that each week. Here's, here's one. Share a meal or a cup of coffee or, or a dessert or something with one other person every day. To not just eat by yourself in a rush and get on to the next thing, but to sit down with someone and share a meal with them. Uh, to try to be active two to three times a week, even if that is just a 20-minute walk or something, to try and engage in some level of physical activity. Uh, this bleeds a little bit into this second one, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but give up something for 24 hours every week. Every week, say, there's one thing I'm giving up, and I'm going to say no to myself, and I'm going to wait, and I'm not just going to have what I want right away when I want it. Uh, start using a weekly planner. Like, start mapping out your week ahead of time so you can see the things that are happening and try your best to stick to those things, okay? So there's some ideas. Um, You don't have to do all of those things. Don't get overwhelmed by those. The idea is that you would pick one. The idea is that you would think through one of those things and and do those things each week. Um, Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to split up into some small group times, all right? You've been actually split up into groups, and so Randy is going to come or... I will read them out. 